Welcome back, everybody, to the Liberty on Fire podcast, where we discuss hot topics in the news and on social media. Okay, Joey, so let's get back into this whole Cohen testimony. Now, what we saw basically was nothing short of a Democratic setup to once again try to bury Donald Trump. And Cohen admitted that he talked to the Democrats, Adam Schiff and Cummings, before the testimony. Uh, he discussed what sort of things he was going to be saying, and he admitted he's trying to get his sentence reduced. He's trying to get some sort of book deal done and maybe even a movie. And, you know, just those things right there should really get your eyebrows up thinking of like, uh, what's he really trying to do here? Yeah, remember I was saying I don't even know why he was there. There was, there was really nothing to add. So I was, you know, suspicious of what the whole purpose was. I didn't know he was talking to anybody beforehand, but that makes a lot of sense to me that there was definitely some sort of motive for him to be there. So overall, this really does seem just like a, a hit piece on Trump. And when asked point blank if Cohen had any feeling or witness of any sort of Russian collusion, he said no. Mm-hmm. So that didn't really sit well with you know, the whole Mueller investigation that's been going on for two years. You know, his, here's an insider, you know, his fixer lawyer, who's, you know, supposed to know all the dirt on Trump, and he said no evidence of Russian collusion. That was really something. That's why I said it was a big loss for the Democrats, ultimately, this, this whole uh, Cohen testimony. That's right. And back to that stupid, ridiculous dossier. So, obviously, the Dems, you know, they really pinned all their substance on this fake dossier that the Clinton, I guess, team paid for somehow through that law firm. And they were really putting a lot of, I guess, eggs into this dossier basket. And Cohen denied he's ever went to Prague and the Czech Republic. And in the dossiers, of course, claiming that he did. And this is where, you know, he went out to kind of meet with these uh, Russian officials to coordinate with the Kremlin uh, for interference in the election and to do like damage control if anything, you know, about the collusion came up. But, you know, the problem is, you know, they asked point blank, I think by Ralph Norman, have you ever been to Prague? And he said, no, I've never been to Prague. So there are pretty much two point blank denials of Russian collusion from Cohen when he was asked. He was asked, did he see or witness any collusion between uh, Trump and Russia? And he, he said no. And then he was asked about the Prague thing, and he said he's never been. So this was like the, it was almost like the Republicans set up this Michael Cohen des- testimony. Yeah, I mean, if you want to think of like a cool... Uh, I guess, novel or movie type setup where the president was like this genius uh, level, you know, intelligence individual. Think about how cool that would be is if he worked out ahead of time with Cohen all these details that, look, you're going to go out there and say bad things about me. You're going to testify to Congress that I'm a racist, I'm a bad dude, that I've, you know, been with strippers. But when it comes to the collusion part and going to Prague, you just say no. That would be, yeah, that would be pretty funny. There's some people are going to think that's what happened, that Trump's a super genius. I don't know. I, I don't think so. That's way too smart. But it was weird to me how he was there and he was supposed to dish all this dirt out and he didn't really say anything we didn't know. And the only thing he did say was no Russia collusion. It was, that was funny to me. So I don't know. There is a little bit of like uh, maybe there's a Trump 3D underwater chest type of stuff going on. 
I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you actually think it's possible? Uh, I don't really think he's that smart. Maybe he is, and we just all don't know it, and he's, you know, just playing us. But, I mean, if any normal person looking at this now, you got this man that's going to prison for, you know, multiple offenses, and someone that the Democrats is really want, they really want him to sing like a bird. Someone close to Trump on the, on the inside, and he comes out and just kind of, I said, I saw no collusion, and... I've never been to Prague. He just completely shoots a hole in that argument, and I'm sure the Democrats are moaning about it. But the uh, the media is just going to take it and go with all the racist stuff. They're going to just keep speculating about things, and of course, there won't be any evidence of all uh, of any of those things. But it's just really funny. Definitely, I don't know what the media has been doing. I don't know if they made too bit, much of a big deal of it. Yeah, that would be interesting if we actually watched the media. Then we could. Uh, kind of re- report back to everybody like oh yeah they are making a big deal i'm just assuming they're gonna because that's what they always do and anything trump does is going to be a big deal any any tweet he has is, is always all over the news but ultimately i don't think this was like we said last time it was a big nothing burger and probably all on net good for trump that's right all right now so this whole north korea i guess dialogue with uh kimchi have you been following any of that no, not really. So maybe you'll fill me in. All right, I can I can fill you in. So I call him Kim Chi because I don't really know his name. If it's a Kim Jong Un or Seoul and all that kind of stuff, but I, I like Kim Chi is that kind of spicy Korean stuff. So let's use Kim Chi. Now, in my opinion, first of all, any dialogue with North Korea is a good thing because talking means we're not bombing them and they're not bombing us. And before Trump took office, wasn't this like a big threat? North Korea, holy crap, they could, they're testing missiles. Any one of them could come to America. It was, it wasn't that like a kind of one of the things he was taking over was a big scare between relations of uh, U.S. and North Korea. Yeah, but I, I just don't think they have that technology to have that range. I think they have the range they've proved that they do for like hitting Japan or South Korea, but as far as reaching the United States, I don't think they're there yet. North Korea, their typical playbook is to kind of scaremonger and then get a whole bunch of free stuff from the international community and not actually do anything. So if they're talking, that's a good thing. There's less of a chance of someone doing something stupid if people are talking. So, all right, I'm happy about that. And think about this, though. Why would North Korea give up their nukes? What do they have to gain? Maybe some food? And what do they have to lose? So... All right, I'll let you run with that. I don't know. Well, they don't have anything to gain from giving up their one threat that they threaten the rest of the, the world around them with. So I don't really know. I don't know what else to add. Um, so I don't, I don't think they're giving up you know, their actual capability of having or making nukes. And... Well, I guess even if they did say they were going to give it up, I think they would probably still lie and they would hide some, obviously. Well, that's what they've done uh, with Bill Clinton, correct? They, well, they've been going back and forth with the U.S. presidents for years and kind of ramping up the warmongering and the scare tactics, and then they pull back and have some sort of negotiation, and then we send them money. And yeah, that's that's their that's their sort of business, you know, that's their sort of business process. It's been, and if they if they get rid of the if they got rid of nukes for real, then they wouldn't even have that ability to rake in some some cash. So after 9-11, do 
George Bush said that Iraq, Iran, and North Korea were all in this axis of evil. And Kimchi saw what we did with Iraq. We destroyed them. We took out Hussein, who used to be an ally of ours years ago. Millions of Iraqis are dead, and uh, probably tons of them are displaced. And look what we did in Libya with Gaddafi. We, and we've been harassing Iran for years. So if you're Iran or North Korea at this point, for your own survival, not, not even to threaten anybody, you just want to have nukes as a deterrent. So obviously North Korea has nukes. We know that. Why haven't they used them on Japan or South Korea? You know, it's because they know they would be obliterated if they did. What have we done against countries with nukes? Basically nothing, right? So nukes now are basically the ultimate deterrent, and they prevent war. What do you think? I think that's pretty much what they're what they're used for. Super, super last resort type of thing, If, but not really more of a deterrent, yeah. Well, I mean, the only country who ever used nukes was us, and we, we used them on Japan, who had no nukes. So there was no fear of... Getting retaliation, yeah. Correct. Okay, so now back to this meeting. So Trump basically called off the meeting early, and he walked away from the table. So you can imagine that everybody in the news was all over this, saying that kimchi played him and the art of the deal is a failure. But if you think about it, was it really a failure? Maybe on the surface it looks like that. But when he took the podium and said to the effect that, hey, sometimes you just have to walk away, I'm never afraid to walk away from a deal, most people jumped to the conclusion that he couldn't do it and he was all talk. However, was it a failure? I mean, there's no wide-sweeping total denuke papers signed or anything, but I think there's something deeper uh, at play here, so just kind of indulge me. At the very same time that Trump is courting Kim and trying to go with this denuclearization, something else is going on, and this is the whole trade issue with China. And don't forget, the original tariffs were supposed to expire on March 1st. Instead, now they've been postponed because talks are going on, and the 10% tariff was supposed to go up to 25%. I think Trump is really just sending a message to China by saying, you know, sometimes you have to walk away. And Trump walked. And here's the question. Do you think China's President Xi expected Trump to shut the book, you know, rise from the table and announce the meeting over like that? No. I think it might have stunned him. I have a hunch that this was kind of Trump's way of showing the Chinese that if trade talks don't go his way, he's going to shut the door and leave and slap on the 25% tariffs on $50 billion you know, dollars worth of their stuff. Now, economically, I obviously think tariffs are a bad idea. Using them as some sort of negotiation tactic with China to, I don't know, maybe get them to respect property rights and you know, intellectual property, that might be an interesting, you know, negotiating type play. But, you know, here's a fact. Chinese are hurting at the moment. They need the U.S. A deal will get done with them and something, you know, both sides need. But for Trump to get the deal that he wants, he's got to have some meat on the bones. And I think by walking away from North Korea like that, he, he demonstrated that if he doesn't see what he likes, he's out. The, a 25% tariff is really going to hurt the Chinese economy. What do you think? 
What do you th- what do I think on the tariff being a negotiation tool to a trade deal? Um, I do agree. And what do I think about the fact that he's using North Korea as an example to say he show he can just walk away? Yeah, that could be. I mean, that's really you're giving a lot of credit now again to Trump. And I actually do think he was this savvy and smart. That's one of the reasons why I I did kind of like him. He wasn't my favorite candidate when he was running, but I did think he was capable of of this kind of, of this kind of stuff. So this would be that would be cool because it would be Trump being more of what I hoped he was when he became president, someone that kind of savvy. So I hope so. I think it could be. I think he walked away. Uh, from North Korea as, as a sign to China. Uh, I think China now understands that. And they learned that over this past year that he's not just some blowhard. That he's, ar- he's already put tariffs on him. That, that started a while ago. And he's kind of postponing raising the tariffs to a really high level. And at the same time that he just gets up and walks away from North Korea, I, th- I do think that's trying to send a message. So I guess my guess is that China and U.S. do come together on some sort of deal. I have no idea what that's going to look like. And I think that Trump continues to have more meetings with kimchi. I don't know if I'm dreaming here. I know. I think you might be right. And which means so far, probably good moves by Trump if, we, if he's thinking the way that or doing these moves because of the way that you're, you're theorizing. And maybe we should follow it, see what else happens. Uh, I think this scenario could be plausible, and we'll, I guess time will tell. We'll see what happens. But you know what? Right now, m- missiles are not flying over Japan. Yeah, exactly. That's part of what Trump did negotiate on the smaller side was to ask North Korea to kind of pull back on some of their missile tests, and they haven't had a missile test in a long time. Yeah, that's what I meant by before when Trump was in office, we were it was like a threatening situation. Right, uh, there's kimchi was launching missiles and was kind of getting all everyone was getting excited. And at least with Trump talking to him, I, mean, I haven't really seen any of that kind of threat. I doubt doubtful that he's pulling back on the creation of nukes, but he is, I think, listening and and being less crazy and shooting missiles over you know, Japan and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think good Trump so far in these areas. Okay, so I guess we can move on to the next topic, and I wanted to cover the the Amazon deal, uh, and this was the whole, you know, Amazon going to New York, bringing in a whole bunch of jobs. Do you, you remember any of that? It was declined, right? Because largely because of the um, well, you tell me why it was declined. I know that AOC was happy about it because they didn't have to give um, three billion in tax breaks over over ten years. I'm not sure if that's the reason why it didn't happen. I think it was because there was a lot of local protests and some politicians got involved at Amazon. Uh, I think they got the feeling that, hey, if you guys don't want us here, we're not going to come. There are other places that do want us. But let's if we start from the beginning, now, am I in favor of the Amazon deal? In general or in principle, I would have to say no. And we can get into that later. But do I think New York should have went ahead with it? I would say 100% yes, because they're going to lose a ton of money in the future. When you say the Amazon deal, you mean the deal between them and whatever the government was giving them? Yeah, between the state and city government. They were going to give them a whole bunch of tax breaks. The deal basics, right, was that New York City, they were going to get about 25,000 
like good paying jobs over, I don't know what it was, maybe 10 years. But then you have to look at all the, you know, the knock on effect of tons of additional businesses and jobs to support all the needs of Amazon and all its employees. And you just kind of increase the population in this area by a good size. So, you know, just if you go down to like your local corner store or drive around your house uh, in your neighborhood, I mean, there's all sorts of things out there, right? Coffee shops, bars, restaurants, construction, plumbing, electrical, dry cleaning, hair and nails. I mean, you would need, the, you know, the current businesses and a lot of new businesses to open up to support Amazon and its employees. And that would bring a ton of economic activity to that area. Oh yeah, real estate. You would need, you know, better housing if there's not any available. You know, places to rent, shops, like you said, coffee shops, places to go to lunch. Uh, yeah, I mean, all kinds of stuff. You know, whatever, a bunch of new services, groceries, you know, stores and stuff. If they're not opening, or if there's not a run, it just a whole flock of businesses could come in and help serve the twenty-five thousand. You said twenty-five thousand jobs. Yeah, I don't think it was all at once because they were going to like ramp it up to that. But over 10 years, I think it was supposed to be about 25,000. But yeah, thousands anyway at, at the beginning. So there were estimates out there that basically this would have generated about $500 million a year in taxes for the city. And in three years, the whole tax incentive to Amazon was going to go away. And then that $500 million would just keep rolling in after that. Is that five hundred million based off of just Amazon's job growth? I believe so. They probably did not take Yeah, taking into account the gentrification that we just talked about and all the other services and businesses opening up. Right. And so Amazon, what they were getting out of the deal was uh, supposedly about two point eight billion in tax breaks. And, and that was over ten years. That was uh, over I think that was over three years. Okay. Yeah, it was supposed to be a three-year tax deal for them. And then after that, their taxes would go up. Amazon also got, I guess, access to like a tech-savvy and skilled workforce. Uh, there's good infrastructure in that area, you know, easy mass transit, good transportation. And, you know, there are a lot of other good businesses in the area that would kind of enhance their production supply and a lot of access to other professional services. So it seemed like a a nice fit for Amazon. So if we go back to November and we look at uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, I'm just going to call her AOC because right. I don't want to say that whole name again. She tweeted that, uh, and also I'll just read this quote, Amazon is a billion-dollar company. The idea that it will receive hundreds of millions of dollars in tax breaks at a time when our subway is crumbling and our communities need more investment, not less, is extremely concerning to residents here. So, unfortunately, she's actually kind of right. She's right that Amazon doesn't need a tax break, but she's, she's right for the wrong reasons. And, as usual, she has no idea why she's right. And that's because she has no understanding of economics or what a tax break is, despite her supposed economic education. So she's right, and on the fact that they're a billion-dollar business, they don't need to be treated any differently. But she's also completely wrong. Our communities need more investment, as if the, the implication is that we can't invest now because we're investing in in Amazon. I mean, that's not that's not right at all. That's completely false. 
You know, the government isn't investing uh, a tax break into into Amazon. They're taking, they're promising to take less from their profits. Right, right. So, so AOC, she's so smart that she doesn't even know the difference between a tax break and a tax subsidy. So, this is for the audience. A tax break is I'm going to take less from company A. So instead of taxing you at, let's say, 20% per year, we'll tax you at 10% a year, as opposed to a tax subsidy is where someone, the government, city, is actually writing you a check and giving you money, which could have went other places, like towards the subway and you know schools or whatnot. But that's not what was going to happen. There was no subsidy. It was all just tax breaks. So she was very, very wrong on that. The way you worded it to me, it was you said, you know, she's right, but for the wrong reasons. You know, she was right about a little piece and then just completely stupid and wrong on the last 75% of her statement. Yes. So she basically, I think she's right about pointing out the cronyism where governments give out favors either in tax breaks or some sort of favorable regulation to certain companies. And this is a perfect example of governments picking winners and losers. Now, if we're all supposed to be equal under the law, as intended by the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, then this sort of thing really shouldn't happen. Like, why aren't like smaller business get, businesses getting a tax deal? You know, like, let's say a new restaurant wants to open up in the same area. I don't think there's any way the city would give them a huge tax break. So I, I really think it should be like an all-or-none type situation, either offer tax incentives to all businesses or don't offer any. Because otherwise, now we're relying on government to know and predict the future. We're asking, you know, the, some government, you know, official to kind of pick which companies are, are going to do well in the long term. But if you think about it, a politician who's probably never really had a, a real job ever in their life is supposed to know, like, anything about what kind of business is going to do well. I mean, they've never started a business or demonstrated any skill at all being an entrepreneur. I mean, they're a parasite. I just think that they all should get the tax breaks. When when the government when the government's you know giving them a deal to come over, I thought that was great. Uh, I I understand how it's wrong to you know be selecting and and the government chooses winners and losers and, and some aren't getting them, but uh, I think they should just all be getting it. I can't I I can't sour too much on on when someone like Amazon's getting offered a tax break. I mean maybe maybe if they if great success came from it, it would be a lesson learned. Like, look, this is what happens when when you're taxing corporations and businesses less, and they don't have to put so much of their money into paying you guys, uh, paying the government. Uh, you get jobs created. You get businesses coming up to to help service those those people that are there and the jobs and the economy booms because of it. I don't know. It could be like a big, huge, awesome example of why all these taxes should be lower. They don't even know the Cuomo's and AOC's, they're actually admitting that low tax environment is better for business, employment, and prosperity. They don't even know they're really saying that, but that's what it means. And I do agree with you. Yes, I think all businesses should get the tax, should get a tax break. You know, for me, I I actually think taxes on corporations and businesses should be 0%. And some people would say, oh, that's very extreme. But well, not really, because all businesses do is, is pass pass the taxes across to the consumer anyway. So if you raise their taxes, they're just going to raise their prices to stay in business because they have to make that certain you know, profit margin in order to stay you know, like a healthy, viable company. 
So raising a tax on a business just means that every other consumer who uses that business is going to have to pay more. And these were state taxes, right? Well, they were getting a deal from both the city and the state because New York City has its own set of taxes as well. Not not all cities do, but New York is, is special. The politicians there are very special. They have to uh, try to tax the hell out of you. See, I'm more, you know, I, w- I don't like the idea of a federal tax, like federal the, the federal government taking, you know, 35% of your income and that stuff. But I don't know, states is a little different to me. I feel like some states could use it as a bargaining tool, like just for exactly what this New York seemed to be trying uh, of almost do with Amazon. So you're you're also against the states having some sort of tax for corporations. In, in general, yes, I I could see how uh, some local taxes could be used for you know paying for stuff like you know road maintenance and things like that. Uh, if you want to use them to pay for police and fire, fine. You know that's not very anarcho-capitalist of me to say that, but if I was more of like the minarchist type of libertarian, that would be a great argument there. Uh, But yes, your your point is spot on. The federal government has no business taking taxes from corporations, right? All taxes should be local. All government should be local, right? There's a, a great podcast by a historian. His name is Brian McClanahan, and he says before and after his podcast, think local, act local. Right, the the federal government, the general government, is not supposed to be as big as it is today. It ballooned into this monster. It wants to control everything. So, how, how much say does the average person have over what the federal government is doing? Basically, nothing. But how much control could you have over your local government down the street? Maybe you see mayor or politician at the store or at a restaurant, and you you know gripe to him about. You know, hey, you got to fix that pothole, or you know, the roads are really messed up, or the traffic is really bad. I, I could, I could see how lo- government on the local level makes a lot more sense. The people actually paying the taxes can get more for their buck, but the money going off to the general government gets diluted and spent on a whole bunch of other stuff that doesn't doesn't help the local person. I feel like that's kind of why it didn't bother me too much when when this New York deal was being made with Amazon, as far as you called it, crony capitalism. You know, I, I don't. It's and maybe I haven't thought about it too much or enough, but I don't really mind too much if the state is is giving a, a certain deal to certain people, picking its winners and losers too much. I mean, you have the flexibility, or you should have the flexibility to move to a state that does it right, or you know. Uh, a certain state that uh, you like what they're doing versus a different state. And uh, it also, a state has the power to try and help itself out by giving a deal to someone like Amazon, like, hey, this could really help our economy boom. We can create a bunch of jobs. We can really up the, you know, the, uh, the living standards around here if we maybe cut a deal with a big corporation. I don't know. None of that seemed too, I didn't have too much of an issue with any of that. I guess in general, I am always in favor of a tax break. You know, if we're talking about a, a tax break, but not a, a cut in government spending, well, then you're just kind of pushing the bills off onto your children and your grandchildren. So I don't really like that. In principle, again, I'm just kind of against the government getting involved with some businesses and not all. Uh, I don't like them being in the kind of the chair of kind of picking the winning businesses and the losing ones because they really have no idea. 
if they're going to be a tax-friendly environment for business, they should be a tax-friendly environment for all businesses. So, Joey, we've been talking about why politicians kind of like to have these handouts. And obviously, part of it, I think, is because they think they know how to manipulate and plan the economy. But they also like to hand out favors because bringing in a company like Amazon looks really sexy. It gets headlines. It's great for their re-election campaign. Uh, so people that really aren't that versed in economics like AOC and a lot of voters, you know, that this does kind of play well with their base. Now, certainly these policymakers could create an environment which was good for all businesses, but they don't, they don't want to go down that route. They want to be seen as the politician out there making deals happen and so that they can come around on the campaign trail and talk about it. Now, let's get to that tax break uh, comment again by AOC. Yes, thank you, because this was, the, this was the, a huge... We have to point out how stupid she is. I mean, this can't go on without really hammering home how retarded her, her, her concept of, uh, of tax breaks are here. So what she's saying is that giving money to Amazon in a tax break was going to come at the cost of doing other things with that money. She thinks she saved them. She thinks this saved New York like $3 billion or whatever. Now we have $3 billion to go and spend somewhere else. Right. But, I mean, so she's completely clueless. Those jobs don't exist yet, right? Long Island City is, is not, you know, a mecca for businesses. So Amazon was going to come in and build up a huge a warehouse, plant, whatever they were going to build and support a ton of jobs, which would bring a ton of revenue to the city. But none of that exists without Amazon. It just goes back to being what it is now, which is, it's, I don't know if it's a ghetto or a shithole or whatever it is, but you know, obviously there's not enough there to support 25,000 new jobs without Amazon. It's like if I went to buy a car tomorrow and the interest rate was like 4%, and then I, I calculated it and said, okay, over time, if I finance this car, it's going to cost me an extra $6,000 in interest rate. And then I decide, you know, forget it. I'm not going to buy it. Sweet. I just made 6,000 bucks. What am I going to invest this in? Like that, that's literally how she, that's the same exact thing. It's like, that's what she thought happened. Right. Yeah. So the tax break was just against future earnings of the company and, and the money coming in over time would more than offset the tax break. You know, New York City would have gotten kind of much more in tax revenue uh, than they were giving up and they weren't really giving up anything at all. There's no taking from... Uh, from some here to give to Amazon. That's not happening. It's just taking less from Amazon. And, it, and it does, so it doesn't cost the city or taxpayers anything. And the tax deal uh, would mean that the, the government would just be stealing $3 billion less over those three years. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, she, they'd be getting so much money, and uh, they just wouldn't be paying as much into the government, into taxes for three years, and then they'd be back on the books for whatever the laws are. Even if state increased the taxes, you know, they'd be on the books for that for who knows how long, 20 years, whatever. So I guess we can talk a little bit about the negative effects that the protesters and some politicians use to kind of drive Amazon away. So they said things like a lot more people would be in like this crowded area, would overcrowd the subway, that there would be an increase in traffic, <clears throat> increase in real estate prices and rents. Those are probably good things because over time, look, I come home from work right now and it's just been getting busier and busier because because of 
all of the new businesses that popped up around me. There's there's got to be like 20 new restaurants since I moved here. So it's been taking me used to take me like 25 minutes to get home. Now it takes 35 to 40, and it's getting really annoying. So I have the same issue. But guess what they're doing now? They just started a, a four year long project on redoing the the highway system to alleviate the fl- uh, you know the flow of traffic better. So these are these are issues that would probably ultimately get solved it, and would be better for everybody. The, the transit systems would get improved over time, probably. Exactly. So, I mean, I do think that these are real concerns, but when we think about how economic freedom and societal prosperity affect the poor, I, I got to turn to my friends over at the Fraser Institute, because this was a big point by AOC that somehow it was going to hurt the middle class and hurt the poor. So the uh, Fraser Institute puts out this uh, economic freedom of the world report. And just this, uh, I guess, this last iteration, 2019. So one is uh, people in the most economically free nations live 16 years longer than those in the least free. Okay, that's good. Uh, Number two, the poorest tenth of the population in free countries earns 10 times as much money as the same cohort of poor people living in unfree nations. Okay? And interestingly, here's another point, the average income of the poorest 10% in the most economically free nations is almost twice the average per capita income in the least free nations. So that is that the least fortunate citizens of free countries make more than the average person in unfree countries. Next point, number four, the average person makes six times as much money in free nations as unfree, and since people in the free market enjoy considerable economic mobility, the poor have a much better opportunity of moving into the economic mainstream, significantly pulling ahead of their disadvantaged counterparts in the kind of more stifling countries. Okay, so number five, Citizens of free nations enjoy greater civil liberties, religious liberty, gender equality, and reported levels of happiness. And these social advantages benefit people of every uh, every social standing. And then one more last point, and I'll shut up. Uh, The literacy rate is 30% higher in freer countries than in more restrictive economies. So what do you think about all that? I don't don't understand where... um... AOC, what exactly did she say that she thinks this was a bad and disadvantage for for poor people? I mean, all your points, all your points are are completely correct. Uh, what did, what did she say? Right, her point was that Amazon coming in and building, uh, there'd be new housing and the rents would go up because now you have, you know, the same supply or less supply and the demand would go up, so that would raise prices. Well, that that's true, but. She's not taking into account all the other benefits of, you know, bringing in an Amazon and having everybody else make more money, uh, do, uh, I guess, more business in this area. Businesses would have to expand and they would have to hire down the line. Not everybody's going to get a $150,000 job a year. There are tons of $25,000 job, uh, jobs that would have to be created to support the people making the 155000 or whatever it is. So that's where people, let's say, if they're on welfare, all of a sudden, you know, if they don't, they don't have a lot of skills, now they can get an entry-level job. So this is, this is something that really would have benefited everybody. And she, she's only looking at, 
looking at it from a very simple point of view, which is, which is what I think of her. She's a very simple person. We don't care to cater policy, you know, and think about how it affects you if you're just only want to live off of government welfare. But if you have a little bit of self-responsibility, then your main thought should be, okay, yes, bring us on, and I'm going to clean up myself a little bit. I'm going to try and get an entry-level job at this business that's coming in and going to employ people, even if it means I'm going to be mopping the floors, even if it means I'm going to be, you know, some sort of janitorial work, whatever, I'm going to get in there. And then from there, you know, I'm going to show up every day, and uh, maybe in a year I'll move up. I mean, that should be like your, your, your focus. And uh, that would be great. That should be a great opportunity for you there. But if you don't care and you're not going to try and work hard to better yourself, then, you know, I don't really care about what happens to you if, if, if the rent goes up a little bit and you're having trouble. Sorry. I guess a quick summary of the, all those points were basically that the more economic freedom a country or a jurisdiction has, the easier it is to accumulate savings, to start or expand a business, and to find a job. And that this... This helps increase the income levels, not just for everyone, but especially the poorest 10%. And AOC should really take a look at this Fraser Institute re uh, report, but she won't, of course. So I guess we can probably start wrapping it up. And politicians like AOC are saying it's a bad deal for New York. But no matter how you, how you spin it, the facts don't change. This decision represents like billions in lost tax revenue for the city and state over and above the $3 billion in the, the tax breaks that Amazon was going to get. Now, so Amazon won't be employing an additional, you know, 25,000 people in New York and all the other businesses that would have had to be created or the other current businesses that are there that would be able to expand. That's not going to happen either. And so although AOC was right not, not to favor cronyism, she's just completely wrong in every other account. Yeah. If you're a person living there, I mean, this really should hit home to you on, on who to vote for. And if you're a Democrat and you're living there, I mean, these, a lot of times these political issues, whether you know, on the right or left side, they never quite affect your, your life totally, you know, at least immediately. So you have your ideals and, and you just kind of and the narratives of, of left versus right, and you just kind of stick to it. But this one should hit home. And this one should make you think, like, holy crap, like, this, we had something really awesome going on that was about to come, a really cool opportunity for us here in New York. And uh, the Democrat side, you know, was proud to, see, was happy to see it go and happy to see it sort of implode. That's really eye opening. It should be, anyway, I would think. Well, I, I think Cuomo was probably trying to save face, maybe. Uh, AOC, I mean, it was just kind of completely idiotic the whole time. But I, I think Cuomo was probably shocked. And he really, I think, wanted this to happen. And then when it didn't happen, he kind of had to uh, maybe pretend like it was a good thing. But deep down, uh, I, as corrupt as he is, I think he's smarter than that. And he's kind of wishing that AOC stayed out of it. And uh, some of the local politicians kind of stayed out of it, but you know they're they're just trying to suck up to their local base to get reelected anyway. And there were, I guess, enough protesters coming out that maybe they thought it was a good thing. But yeah, it, it's a it's a big loss for the city, for the state, and for all the residents there, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. Well, that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. Please check out our website on libertyonfire.org and. Give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. 